You're listening to a North Valley Community Church podcast. For more information and resources, visit us online at northvalleychurch.org. Good morning. Welcome, everyone, again. Um, and, and like Pastor Ryan said, um, I am a hospice chaplain, and that's my heart. And that's what I get to do and serve God as. And, and when he said that um, Leslie's father's on hospice, one of the things I understand and I know from this world is that God can truly send people to bring comfort during this hard part. And our prayer continues to be that um, the Lord bring the people near to give the best care. And everyone involved in her father's care, that they receive that. And... Um, Pastor Ryan, I don't know how you'll make it, but you'll make it out here. I know some of the loneliness falls away when we're here together. So uh, I get to wrap up this series called uh, Transformational Thinking. It's such a great series um, in the sense that I learn a lot from uh, this verse. This is one of the most highlighted verses in Philippians if you go to Amazon and use their Kindle Bible app. People are just all over it, clicking on it thousands and thousands of times. And what does that tell us? That tells us that this message speaks to people. These verses speak to people and they find something precious in here, something that really touches them. And here's the verse, again, Philippians 4.8. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely... See, we have a lot of things given by Paul to us already. By the time we get to my verse for this morning, whatever is commendable, we've chewed on a lot already. And usually, even I do this, I pass over this verse. I'm like, oh, yeah, yeah, pure, lovely, just, honorable, commendable. If there's any excellence, if there's anything worthy of praise, think about these things. But you know what? Digging into this verse and learning and trying to understand what Paul did by writing these things. He didn't just take words and slap them together and he's like, that looks good. People are really gonna love what I have to say here. I think he really understood by saying, hey, they're gonna need this. They're gonna not only want and desire this, they're gonna need this. So um, here we are, whatever's commendable. Commendable means good report of good repute. It basically means reputation. So. One of the ways I want to do this this morning is for us to think about things that are of good reputation, things that help us, things that we understand that will bring us comforting thoughts, that will help strengthen our uh, relationship with God. The other part of it is reputation in how um, God is viewed, how we view ourselves, and how the church is viewed. And that way, when we combine these two things, we can understand that it's not just our thinking that's changed, it's our actions that are changed, and we are actually being able to go out in the community and really be a living Bible, a living letter. People are reading us, you know, probably they're not reading their Bible, maybe they don't have time to hear sermons all day long, but you know what, you're the sermon. You're the person uh, that is the hands and feet of Jesus to people. So that's why this is so important. So reputation. It's something we believe about someone. It's usually uh, a belief based on a person's actions, what someone does. And usually when someone does something over and over or a little bit more consistent, even if they have quirks, we label that. And the way, the way I've seen it is even in high school, there's the superlatives. There is most likely to, you know, most likely to work in the White House 
um, most likely to be late to graduation, you know, class clown, cutest couple, life of the party, best, and it could be anything, best sneeze, best voice, you know, um, but this is what we do. We label people because of certain things they do. And when we label them, that's how we view them and perceive them. Uh, one way we can see this is also through what I call uh, sealed reputations. There are famous people that we know that I can say their name and you're automatically going to think something about them, good or bad. But whatever the most famous thing they did in history, that's going to jump to your mind. So let me try it. Um, the name Judas. Most people, when they hear Judas, they think of the disciple who betrayed Jesus, even though he was actually given power by God to go out and heal people and cast out devils during his time of walking with Jesus. Not that I'm trying to make him a saint, but did you know his name actually means praise? And yet, at most, we don't see very many baby dedications with the name Judas. Uh, why? The reputation, a sealed reputation. Another name, John Wilkes Booth. He's uh, known as the man who assassinated President Lincoln. Um, but during his time, just finding this about him, he was a famous actor, one of the most famous. Today, he would be a huge Hollywood star. And they said he was like a mix between Daniel Day-Lewis and Mel Gibson. Mash that all in and you get John Wilkes Booth. But he's all, always going to remember and his reputation is sealed by a decision he made and his action that he did. Um, let's try another name, Adolf. All right, we'll stop right there. We'll stop right there. What if I say the rooster crowed and this person disowned Jesus three times? You automatically think Peter, but you also think good things about him. He's a pillar of the church and how God used him. He has his own reputation. One of my favorites, uh, Michael Jordan. You know, you're probably not thinking secondary things like golf or baseball, you're probably thinking his greatest achievements, basketball, the GOAT, the pro, greatest of all time, in my opinion. So, what if I say Saul, Paul, Saul, Paul? Well, if we think Saul, he was first known as a Christian assassin. So if he lived in your zip code, he thought he was doing God's work, you would not want this guy knocking on your door, ringing your doorbell because he was taking people that were named Christians or followers of the way of Christ, and he was throwing them in jail. And he was just wreaking havoc, is the word the Bible uses. And that was his reputation. When God touched him, when he was transformed, not only in his thinking, completely transformed, he now became the author of most of the New Testament. He became a widespread church planter. He became diehard for Jesus, that he actually became a martyr for Jesus. That's his sealed reputation. And finally, we have Jesus. Now, that's a controversial name and person in history up until now. But when I hear Jesus, I hear the Son of God, given by God the Father to, to come here, enter humanity, die on the cross for our sins, and make peace between us and God. Because the wrath of God was actually going to be poured out on sinners, and that cross subsides and takes away God's wrath if anyone came and submitted and got under that cross and said, Lord, it is you I need. It is your forgiveness. It is your peace. It is my life given and submitted to you. That's what I think about when I think about Jesus. His reputation is far wider than that, but just in a nutshell. So what I want to do today is kind of illustrate this with an image and 
what we see on the screen in front of us is, well, let me ask you, what do you see? So if you're like me, you probably see a black spot or a black dot surrounded by all this white, color white, right? So what I want us to understand and what I think Paul was trying to get us to do when we're talking about whatever is commendable or whatever is a good reputation or actually all of these verses, what I, wa- what I think Paul was trying to get us to do is what he was doing and he was looking at all the white. He was looking at all the white and good things, whatever's pure, whatever's lovely, whatever is honorable, excellent, praiseworthy, commendable. He was already having that at the forefront of his mind. In my mind, Paul did not have a black spot. But you know what? People do. They see the black spot first. And the black spot can be something negative. The black spot can be something that people get stuck on and what I call it becomes a mind loop. And they focus on it and it grows and grows and grows. And pretty soon you got people who can't even see the white part, the good part. The part that Paul is saying, look at that. Think about that. Live that. And they're actually just stuck on something small. And for me, that white part represents an encouragement like a mother or a father, a parent, someone who's very, when the kid comes to you, uh, when your child comes to you and says, oh, you know, I'm not good at this. Or they come at you and they say, um, everyone else is cooler than me or whatever. What do we instinctively do as friends, as parents, as someone who's loving? We're like, no, 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 don't focus on that black spot. Focus on all the good that you are. No one laughs like you. No one cartwheels like you. No one does this like you. You're like this, like this, like this. And we go and we cover them with white. So why? So their black spot can get smaller and smaller and hopefully disappear. But that's what I think Paul was trying to do is bring to the forefront of our minds. And it's not a white background. It's actually we should see first white and then the black spot in the background. That's what I think Paul is trying to get us to recognize. You know, I saw this movie, The Help, and the nanny in there really stuck out because she kept telling the little girl in in this movie, every time the girl was down, she's like, you is kind, you is smart, you is important, you know? And that always sticks with me. And every time I joke with my kids and I say that, I'm like, you is kind, you smart, you're important. That's what we need to be doing. That's where we're bringing this white into the forefront of our minds and we're thinking of good things. And guess what? When you think of good things, you're gonna do good things. When you're thinking of pure things, you're gonna do pure things or things of good report, reputation. So before we can talk about reputation, I wanna talk about God because first, his reputation matters the most uh, when we start uh, talking about this subject. We hear things about God And we're like, yeah, 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 you know, that's God, that's who he is. But when we understand that that's not only who he is, he's that way and he's that way to us, our lives uh, will be really touched in a good way. What I mean is, um, if I were to ask you, tell me who God is, tell me who God is. I don't think you're going to be thinking of a black spot. Well, let me tell you. No, you're going to think of all the white and good things. Well, God is good. God is a creator. God is infinite. He's immutable. He doesn't change. Um, He's self-sufficient, omnipotent, all-powerful, omniscient, all-knowing. You know, he's all these things, um, omnipresent everywhere. But he's also the creator. He's truth. He's perfect, faithful, good, compassionate, 
merciful every morning. He's patient. He's just. He always does what's right. He's gracious. Yeah, he's loving. He's forgiving. He's, he's holy, meaning completely set apart, just like our son. People are like, that's the holy son. It's set apart. There's none like it. He's pure. He's glorious. Or um, men don't really like this word, but the women do. He's beautiful, right? He's sovereign. What that means is he rules as he pleases. He's a provider, a healer, our father, our peace, our comforter, our intercessor. Yes, he's our master, our strength, our power. He's all these things, and he's just not all these things completely set apart. He's all these things to you and I, his children. And if we remind ourselves of these things, like Paul is saying, if we understand his reputation in this way, um, we will act it out in such an amazing way, live it out in such an amazing way. Um, because God has a relationship with his children. God completely has a relationship with his children. And um, for us to understand these things and understand who God is, any thought can become a really strong thought. For example, um, one day one of my patients was really down and they're like, what has God done for me today? And you know, bed bound can really do nothing, total care. And you know what? Anything can become a good thought. I turned to him and I said, you know what? God knows us so much. There was a count done in heaven today and they count and they list and they know every hair on our head. So if God knows every single hair on your head, something was done for you today. He knows you already. He knows you that well. And if I'm the angel counting the hairs, I'd want someone that's more bald probably, but you know, one, two. But if not, that's what God does. He knows us so well. He's counting the hairs on our head. He's starting from our heads. That's amazing. And that's just the external parts. So there are black spots that get pinned on God too. I understand that. I go talk to people and they say, you know what? God cannot forgive me. Not me. He can probably forgive everyone else, but just not me. I've done too much. And they throw this black spot on God and they're like, no, he can't do that. And they just get stuck on that over and over and over. And usually I find out they can't forgive themselves. And because they can't forgive themselves, no one can forgive them. And they actually like that little black spot. But our job is to say, no, 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 no. The real reputation of God and who God is, is more than that. He is much more than that. And you gotta uh, please see that. And we don't just get this out of thin air. God revealed these things to us and we have it revealed through scripture and we get all these things through the Holy Spirit and it's real. So we do have this relationship with God. And when you know and understand you're in a relationship with such an awesome God, you can respond in certain ways. You know, I found characters who knew God in a certain way in the Bible that they responded in completely different ways. There was these three guys with three names that you don't hear anymore. Meshach, Shadrach, and Abednego. And you don't hear those names anymore, but guess what? They were told that they got to bow down to a golden image. And if they don't bow down to this god of the Babylonian empire that King Nebuchadnezzar put up, they're going to get thrown into an oven that's hotter than Arizona. And they said, you know what? No, we know who he is. Not only do we know who he is, he's revealed himself to us that he's faithful. So you know what? He's going to take care of us in that oven that's hotter than Arizona, but even if he doesn't, you know what? We're still going to serve him because we know him. We don't know your gold statue image, but we know him. And you know what? They got thrown in 
and God was with them, and they actually survived and escaped that, and it actually became a big testimony to the king who was trying to do this, and he had to submit that God is real, and God is who he says he is. There was Daniel. He had a reputation. His reputation is that he prayed so much, they couldn't find any black spots on Daniel, the, his enemies, the people that hated him. They, they could not load up on black spots and throw them on Daniel. So you know what they said? You know what? This guy prays all the time. Let's change the laws of the land. And when we catch him praying, it'll be a crime. And you know what? We'll catch him that way. They used the good of his reputation to turn it into a crime. But you know what? He stuck to his guns and he never gave up prayer. And God used him in mighty ways. And finally, another example is um, the greatest king of Israel known as King David. And one of the ways he was thrown into the spotlight was... Uh, Goliath, this Philistine, this man was cursing God completely. And he was just going, railing against them. But because he was so huge and scary, people wouldn't fight him. And David now steps onto the picture, a little shepherd man with a staff, some five stones. And he goes before Goliath. And what amazes me is Goliath tells him, I'm going to come against you with a sword, with a spear, with a javelin. Yeah. That makes sense. You're my enemy and you, you're weaponed up. You're armed to the teeth. But David goes against him first and foremost with God's reputation. And that just blows my mind because I see here, he says in 1 Samuel 17, he says, you come at me with a sword, with a spear, with a javelin. I, I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts, his reputation, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. He brings God's reputation into the picture. He goes, I'm not going to take you down. First behind me is God. And he has a name. And he's revealed himself that you can't just come out here and curse him. And that he'll use some method, way, or person to take you down. And you know what? David understood this reputation of God and he held on to it. So Paul would probably see a white image with a small black spot. Um, and that black spot would mean nothing when we're talking about God. So we must recognize God's reputation. And we, we start from there. And then we must recognize our own reputation. I got to recognize my own reputation. Who am I? Well, first, I'm a child of God. Once I understand that, that I'm a child of God and who he is, things change. The Bible tells us in Proverbs 22.1, a good name is to be chosen rather than great riches. You got to have a good name. And once you have a good name, that's a good reputation. Now people take you seriously. And what you say has weight to it. And what you do, people can trust in. And the Bible also says in 2 Corinthians 5.20, Therefore, Paul, this is him writing to us, we are ambassadors. There's the big word, ambassadors for Christ. Representatives for Christ Jesus. Meaning, to some people, we are the hands and feet of Jesus. We represent him. And his reputation never fails. So if we're representing him and we're saying we have a God, not only does these things, is these things, we ourselves can be who we say we are. God is who he says he is. We are who we say we are. And we go forward. It's not my own name that's on the line. First, it starts with God's name that's on the line. And then my name. And we do that unconsciously. Many times we don't even realize it. Um, let's say... Uh, a man is driving a Toyota Tacoma and he's driving it all over the road on the 101. We'd probably be like, what is wrong with that guy? Like he needs to, he doesn't own the road. This isn't California. But 
let's say you take that same Toyota Tacoma and you slap a nice little bumper sticker on it that says North Valley Community Church. Now what are, what's a person unconsciously going to say? They're like, man, that hypocrite. They go to a church and that's what they do. That's how they drive over there in North Valley. I ain't going there. Those Tacoma boys, you know? But we do that unconsciously. We, just because a bumper sticker was put on there, we gave him a reputation. Maybe he just needed to go to the bathroom really bad. But you know what? We, because he had a bumper sticker, we made up something in our own minds. So my question is, do you and I see the white? Do we see the good? Because I look in scripture and I have to understand who I am. God revealed who I am. He spoke it. People wrote it down and they told him, if you are of God, this is what you are. And you know what? When I look at this list in scripture of what I am revealed by God, I can be changed and be aware of who I am. And then I can definitely do good things because of who I am. Uh, The Bible says, I am saved and set apart. I am a child of God. And not only a child, I'm a child of light, not of darkness. I am not condemned. I'm forgiven. I have God's Holy Spirit helping me, giving me a a spirit of power, of love, of a sound mind to be okay up here. he, He gives me strength. He chooses me to serve. He says, I'm fearfully and wonderfully made, even though I look at myself and I say, no way. But he says, Yahweh. And then uh, also, God does good things through me. Once I understand these things, I'm, I'm set free from sin. Where can you go buy that? I receive grace, mercy, compassions. Every single morning when I wake up, before I have my coffee, I receive these things from God. I have an enemy, the devil. But you know what? I have life. I have life. Because I talk to a lot of dead people, I have life. And where does that life come from? From him who has that reputation to give it. God. Do I understand that? Or do I give in to the list that the younger people make? If you talk to high schoolers or even elementary students, now they're getting younger on the way they think. And, and they only see the black spot. They, they make up stuff and they see the black spot. I'm not rich. Uh, I'm not popular. I'm not smart. I'm not funny. I'm not skinny. I'm not athletic. I'm ugly. I'm not successful. And they try to convince themselves of these things. And we're like, no, 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 no. First and foremost, you're mom and dad's little girl or little boy. But second, you know, but more than that, you are God. And you are God's child. God has you. More than that, don't believe those things. Because if you give in to those kind of thoughts, you start realizing them and you start acting them out and you start identifying yourself as someone like that and God says no you're my child so we got to recognize our own reputation and finally we got to recognize that here at North Valley Community Church we are a church so we got to recognize the church's reputation and Warren Buffett said it takes 20 years to build a reputation and five minutes to break it down so it's very important what we're building here and that we continue to build it to together. For who? For us? We're not building uh, Chris's kingdom, Ryan's kingdom. We're building Christ's kingdom, right? So we're doing it for Christ. So again, Paul writes us and he says in Ephesians, I'm going to use Ephesians 4, 1, 1 through 3. And this is what a church should be doing. I therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, wow, you're in jail, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called. So I've been called to something. I'm supposed to walk in it, but how? Here's the how. With all humility, gentleness, 
patient, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the spirit and the bond of peace. I'm supposed to do it a certain way. I'm supposed to be humble about it, gentle about it, loving about it. I'm supposed to be Christ in that sense. And I'm supposed to exemplify it that way because the church has a reputation. Ephesians 5, 1 through 5, Paul urges and says, be imitators of God. Copy, copy God. As beloved children, walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us. So walk in love, why? Because you represent the guy who gave himself up and not just the guy, the savior who did it. And then he tells us what not to do, the heavy part, what not to be named among you. Don't even name it. Don't even say that this stuff is among you. And what is that? He says it over here in Ephesians 5, 1 through 5. Sexual immorality, all impurity, covetousness, that stuff should not even be named. We got to be doing things that's proper among the saints, among the children of God. Let there be no filthiness, nor foolish talk, nor crude joking, which are out of place, but instead let there be thanksgiving. He's saying the way you talk, the way you talk, people can label you. What you're saying and what you're doing, people are looking at it. And it's very important that they see you doing what? Thank you, God. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. And as you start thanking God, you'll realize you have more, more uh, from God than you ever thought. He even says in 2 Corinthians, we, the church, the apostles, the disciples, the people who serve God, we put no obstacle in anyone's way so that no fault may be found in our ministry. So the church sometimes get negative criticisms. And I've talked to many people, even patients, that say, no, 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 I don't go to church. I don't go to church because this has been my experience. And they, they, I made together a little list that I've been told about, and it goes like this. I don't go to church because of judgmental attitudes. People are just hypercritical. Why this? Why that? Or they're hypocrites. They're pretending to be something they're not. On Sunday, it's lovely and pure and excellent and praiseworthy and commendable. And Monday through Friday, it's the opposite. Um, some of the other reasons, being known only for what they're against, not what they're for. Having sin and not addressing it, and it's okay. People are not learning about God. What's their teaching about? Are they teaching all these things that are true, but they have nothing to do with God? And finally, there are people who says, I'm just lonely. I talked to a guy, he said, I went to Omega Church and I'm lonely. I'm like, how? They're just surrounded by people. And he goes, yeah, you can be surrounded by people and still no one shake your hand, no one even acknowledge you. So yeah, I guess you can be lonely. Our reputation as the church needs to match what we say and believe. Why? Reputation equals testimony. People are going to label you. What you say you are and what you do are going to be looked at. People see it. They're smart. So here's the practical application. Talk the talk and walk the walk. Practice what you preach. Actions speak louder than words. Have you ever seen someone just talking and talking and talking in your mind and like, no, I know what you did yesterday. There's no way you are not that guy or that girl. Yes. You know, we have that meter in us to discern what's a lie and what's not. But if God says who, if God is who he says he is, we should be who we say we are. And yeah, we're not going to be perfect all the time. We're not going to do everything right, but we can admit and acknowledge and be exactly who we say we are. And you know what? Take out the gray areas. Matthew says, let your yes be yes. Let your no be no. 
creating more and more gray areas. People are going to get confused. Just be straight and direct. Yes, I can do that. No, I can't do that. You'll learn more respect that way and people will understand where you, where you stand. And Peter also says in 1 Peter 2, uh, chapter 2, verse 12, keep your conduct. He's telling the church, guys, keep your conduct among the Gentiles honorable. The Gentiles was viewed as the people outside of the Jewish community. Keep it honorable so that when they see, they speak against you as evildoers. When they're saying, nah, those people are like this. They may see what? Your good deeds and glorify God on the day of salvation. You know what? They cannot counter and speak against your actions. They can't come and be like, those people are evil, yet they're helping orphans. Those people are evil, but they're building houses in Mexico. Oh, those people are evil, but they're doing global missions. Those people are so evil that they're getting baptized and God is bringing life into their church. See, they can't do that. They can't speak against you when what, you are what you say you are. Because our actions finally demonstrate our love. Our actions demonstrate our love. And, and we see this in Luke chapter 7. The disciples of John are sent to Jesus. And they got to ask him a question. They got to say, hey, Jesus, we come here with disciples of John. He's definitely serving God. We want to know, are you the one or should we wait for someone else? Are you the expected Messiah, Mashiach, or are we going to wait? Because we want to know. And what does Jesus say to them? He says, at the very time he cured many people of diseases and afflictions and evil spirits, he gave, them, he gave sight to many who were blind. And he answered, and he said this to, the, to, to those two guys, go and report to John what you have seen and heard. And what's that? The blind receive sight, the lame walk, the lepers are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised up, the poor have the gospel preached to them. Blesses he who does not take offense at this. What are you gonna go tell John? What are you going to tell them? What you see me do. That I am who I say I am. And I'm not a fake. I'm not some guy that's in it for uh, the three Gs. Gold, girls, and glory. I'm actually in it for the real thing. Because of love. And what does Jesus do? He tells us again, church. He says this. A new commandment I give to you. In John 13, verses 34 and 35. A new commandment I give to you. That you... Love one another. Just as I have loved you, you're also to love one another. By this, because of all this love that I'm talking about, all people will know you are my disciples if you have love for one another. He's not just saying affection and lovey-dovey. He's saying by your actions of love and how you treat each other and what you do for each other and how you treat the world and what you do for the world, that's going to count when people take a look, when they put you under the microscope. That's what's going to count. Everything else, words in the wind. So what do I want to conclude and encourage you with? What Paul said, what you have learned and received and heard and see in me and Paul, practice these things and the God of peace will be with you. As you're thinking about love and honor and purity and co what's commendable and of good reputation, practice them out and the God of peace will be with you. You know how many times God gives peace to you? daily protecting and guarding your mind and heart you just can't explain it you're like i have peace about this how you're in a crazy circumstance but i have peace about it i don't know how i'm going to deal with it but god gave me peace about it and i know who god is and finally this final uh quote darkness will does not have the last word darkness does not have the last word the last word goes to the light to god to the white 
It's not that little black spot that has the last word. So don't get stuck on it. Bring that image, that white image to the forefront of your mind and, and repeat those things to yourself daily. And, and not just in repetition, like I'm just repeating a mantra, but prayerfully saying, Lord, I believe that you have said these things about me. So may God bless us and may we continue to receive his peace. Let me go ahead and say a prayer. Um, Lord, thank you so much for this message, for this word that you remind us that you are so involved and not only involved, you have a reputation and you keep it and you are who you say you are. Father, bless each and every person here today and whatever the need is, be that need for them, Lord. And touch each and every heart and mind Where there's need of strength, give them strength, Lord, and give us strength. Where there's need of love, give us love. Where there's need of forgiveness, give us forgiveness. And Father, let us continue to walk properly, to walk in faith, Lord. And we thank you for all these things. In the name of Christ Jesus, we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening. To become a supporter of North Valley Community Church, give online today at northvalleychurch.org.